May the words that come from my mouth be inspired by your Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This week in uh, the church's calendar, we traditionally focus on the baptism of Jesus. I know we've only just had Christmas. It only seems like a moment ago. Does anybody still have their Christmas decorations up? Oh, there's a few guilty. If you're a decorations purist, then they're supposed to go up on the first Sunday of Advent, not in September like the shopping centres. And they come down on the Feast of Epiphany, which is the 6th of January, which was last Sunday this year. Um, I I did have to confess uh, this morning that Bowen and I quickly had to move our Christmas tree that was in the foyer of the church (laughs) Um, so so I could pretend to be a purist, uh, which... um, And it went down on our house on the 7th of January, which isn't quite right either. But anyway, in the space of 30, uh, a few weeks, Jesus is 30 years older. Um, He's all grown up and he's claiming his identity as the Messiah and the Son of God, as we hear from our gospel reading today from Luke. The sacrament of baptism, in its most simplest form, is claiming your identity as a full member of the church. Because baptism um, is called by the church a sacrament, it's an outward sign of what's going on inside somebody's life. It doesn't mean that if you're not baptised, you're not an active member of the church, you're not gifted, talented, spirit-filled or equipped. There's certainly many examples in today's church and throughout the ages of people who haven't gone through the process of and the, and, the, and the ritual of baptism who are active members and effective members of God's kingdom. But what baptism is, is a public declaration of all of those things. It's a claiming of this identity. It seemed timely that as the traditions of the church encourage us to focus on Jesus' identity and our identity in Jesus, that we should claim our identity for the year by launching into a new theme. I hope you'll all be relieved to know that our vision has not changed. We are still called to be a church known for its... That warms my heart. Yes. Five years of banging on, you finally... uh... (laughs) There's been five years of banging on, but... uh... We are called to be a church known for its relationships with God, with each other, and with our community. While that hasn't changed, having a theme each year helps us to focus on what we need to do and how we need to do it. The why we need to do things is all underpinned by this identity that we're growing into. We finished last year with a sermon series that was trying to create a culture and an attitude of generosity. 
if you missed it or part of that series, I would encourage you to jump onto our website or subscribe to our podcasts and listen to those themes. If you don't know how to podcast, then you can ask some of the 90-year-olds in our congregation who have no problem podcasting. Um, I've started listening to podcasts at the gym. It's a great way to exercise the body and the, the mind at the same time. Um, but of all the sermon series that I've, I've preached over the years, this one seems to have had the most deep and profound feedback. Um, I get lots of feedback from my sermons all the time, but generally the standard feedback you get is, that was a nice sermon, Stuart, which I love hearing, but I love it even more when people say they got something specific out of it, um, that God was touching them or moving in their hearts. Um, and, and that seemed to happen quite regularly throughout that series, particularly on the week where I preached on hope on the first Sunday of Advent. There was a not-so-subtle theme that ran through this series, that if you seek your own self-interest, your own kingdom first, then the outcome of that is generally something that's transitory, it's temporal, and it is ultimately unsatisfying. But if we're following the teachings of Jesus and we seek first the kingdom of God, you may not always get what you expect or you are wanting initially, but what you find can surprise us with its God focus, its others focus, and its generosity. So following on from that lead-in, this year, because we are becoming a church known for its relationships, we will encourage hard questions to be asked and doubts to be expressed. We'll not just look for easy answers, but wrestle with the shades of grey. We will share our stories of failures as well as our stories of successes. We will acknowledge the pain, suffering and brokenness, not just around us, but within us. We will continue to seek first. But in our seeking, we will actively pursue. I'm not sure how long it was uh, ago that you played hide and seek. We had some um, friends staying in the early part of this year. Um, and uh, Caleb and the kids were playing hide-and-seek and hiding in the most obscure places in our house. Um, but a hide-and-seek game becomes a stalemate when people give up the finding. When maybe a person is hidden somewhere so hard that they can't find them so that everybody gives up and the, the game ends. We're going to challenge each other to keep seeking until we find hope. But the hope that we find may not be the type of hope that we might immediately expect or in our mind create an image of that we need. It might not seem individually or personally hopeful at all in the first instance. It might be costly, it might be uncomfortable, and at times it might be painful. 
it's very unlikely that we will be the sole beneficiaries of the hope that we find. But it will be distinctively God-focused and it will be distinctively, distinctively focused on others. In 2019, our theme will be Seek First, Find Hope. So I want to wrestle with this passage from Isaiah uh, this morning, which does seem a little bit like a psalm. Like um, the psalm, it's, it's a, a poem or a song in both its style and content. And the prophet Isaiah speaks tender and encouraging words to the people of Israel that are faced with an uncertain future and a decision to make. In the original context of this passage, the words helped the Judean exiles to embrace their faith and return to Jerusalem to rebuild. It seems uh, somewhat appropriate that as we are about to embark on our own building project this year, we might be taken back to the heart of our vision before we begin. Isaiah evokes images of God's love, God's care to the exiles who are tentatively considering whether they should be leaving the relative stability of their lives in Babylon, which even though they aren't the controlling group and they're ex exile and they're in, in bondage and slavery, there, there, there has been a level of comfort and security created. Or return back home, which would be the home for some of them, but the home of their parents for many others, which is in rubble and ruin. There's no denying that as a church, we are currently in what could be considered a comfortable place compared to other traditional churches, which are in a state of stagnation and many in decline. But we face a similar choice. Whether we remain in that relative comfort, resting on what has gone before us and what we see to be effective, knowing full well that we're not even close to where God's calling us to be, or whether we embark on a brave journey that takes us back to the core of our mission that is God-focused and others-focused, that's relationship-focused. As the people of Israel embarked on their journey back home, the poem confirms that God's present and he's protecting them. The people, though, would continue to face danger and obstacles along the way, but they didn't face them alone. Besides communicating protection for what the people were facing in the future, the words of Isaiah remind them of the exodus from Egypt where to gain entrance into the promised land, the people had to walk through the waters. 
the perilous dangers, the risks around them and behind them and in front of them. Isaiah does not. And I cannot promise that God will protect us from all danger. Rather, Isaiah's words assure us of God's presence along the journey. This passage of Scripture does not suggest that God's people have any form of guarantee against danger, pain or suffering. Our road ahead will be equally paved with the witness and testimony of encountering the trials of life, the uncertainty of the times that we live in, the brutality of humanity, along with the recognised blessings and gifts and successes. We read these words from Isaiah on the week that we're celebrating Jesus' baptism. Just as the prophet reminded the people of God's call to them, baptism establishes God's claim on the church and God's call to us. The words of God at Jesus' baptism in Luke confirm the relationship between God and the Son. And Isaiah speaks tenderly of the relationship between God and God's people, including us, the church of the baptised. It challenges us to understand the relationship that we are called to is not one of personal or collective comfort, rather one of shared journey amidst discomfort, seeking after God's leading and God's purpose and God's plans, seeking the benefit of others, finding God at work in and through us, Because for some crazy unknown reason, our God has chosen people like me and you to be the carriers of hope into the world. Those who bring hope to life. Those who communicate hope when there seems to be none. Paul is clear to the Colossians that it's Christ in each one of us that is the hope of glory. But it's not our personal glory. It's God's glory. And God uses us to reveal this glory. So when you want to find hope, when you can't see hope, then what we're called to do is to reflect on our experience and our relationship with God and really try to understand how God has been working in and through us. How God has worked and continues to work in the people around us and continues that work of transformation in our lives and in the lives of others. I can confidently say that if you aren't experiencing pain at the moment, right now, you will at some time in this year ahead. When you think about the feeling of pain, instinctively, pain can be the most selfish of emotions. As a church leader, I try really, really hard not to swear in front of people. It makes it difficult when you're playing golf, 
but I try very hard. But on the very odd occasion when I try and kid myself that I can be a handyman and I inadvertently hit myself or whack something inappropriate or some part of my body that results in a sharp experience of immediate pain, then my response is to utter, at least in my head, insert expletive, insert personal pronoun. You can do the grammar. In that moment, I can think of nothing other than myself, my well-being and my immediate discomfort. But the identity that we're called to claim today is not based on human instinct. It's an identity based on God's glory, which has a hope not just for us, for all of humanity. So when we are in times of pain, when we are broken, when we are fallible and when we're frail, this is when the Holy Spirit is most actively at work in the lives of faithful people. Even though we might not realise it ourselves, these are the times when the people around us can see God's light shine the brightest. They can glimpse God at work in and through us. God's transformation. And it's that Holy Spirit that we're promised at baptism that is at work in our lowest and our hardest and most difficult times. God formed the church. God loves the church and calls the church, enables the church not just to survive, but to thrive to do God's work. It's no surprise to me at all when I think about it that the places in the world where the church is thriving the most is where people are experiencing the hardest struggles and the most intense pain. And so even as the church passes through rivers of controversy, fires of conflict and the rise of secularism, God will be present with the church. God's affirmations of Jesus at baptism didn't stop Jesus from going through pain and suffering and death. The church and its members will face danger. The world continue to be a mixed up mess. But God will be with the church, empowering its ministry, enabling its work as we seek first. We're promised that we will find hope. I know from time to time I've mentioned um, when we've been talking about baptism the tradition of the church to have a font at the entrance uh, to the church. As we do now, if you sort of turn around that wok-shaped silver thing as we come in is our baptismal font. Um, And the tradition of that, uh, I know I've spoken about one part of the tradition is that people were baptised on their way into church and took their place in the body of the church. But there's another part of why it's at the entrance to the church. 
so that as we go, we're reminded of our baptism. In the Anglican rite of of baptism, uh, there's a response that the church says together to the baptised. And we say it together for the baptised, not so we just say, you're going to solve the church's problems as an individual, but we are all doing this together. And the responses are these. Confess Christ crucified. Proclaim his resurrection. Look for his coming in glory. Shine as a light in the world to the glory of God the Father. I want to challenge us this morning as I close. As we go, are we doing that? Are we embracing God's call to us to be bearers of hope? Are we leaving it up to someone else and just coming back next week and seeing if it's all got better? I love it when the church is full. There's no greater feeling than the people of God gathering together for worship. But I'd give up a full church to know that you're all embracing this mission in our baptism. And I say that as somebody who feels guilty because I know I'm not doing it as well as I could. This year, I hope that we will get better at doing that. Our light will be brighter and people will clearly see that there is a hope in our world and that hope has a name of Jesus. Can I pray? Lord Jesus, uh, you reflected truth and light in your ministry but you left us with the responsibility of carrying that into the world. Help us to meet that challenge. Help us to know that you are with us and we are not alone. And help us when things are tough to know that's when your light shines brightest. We ask this in your name. Amen. Pam's going to continue in an attitude of prayer.